This is Talking Ears. Pete Dinkelson is a renowned motivational speaker, inspiring author, and virtuoso guitarist. He's also the kind of young internet celebrity that I actually find it natural to root for. At the age of 23, he's played on more stages and with more guitar heroes than I could ever hope to in a lifetime. And when I say guitar heroes, that's because the music that he plays the most is classic rock. The kind of stadium filling playing that we all love. You know, rock star stuff. And if you're listening to this episode, you likely already know Pete's story. But if not, your ears are really in for a treat. In this episode, we'll hear performances by the guest and tracks off the first EP of his band, Pete's Diary. Co-host Juan Vasquez is going to kick off this interview. Well, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. It's a real pleasure. Welcome to Talking Ears. When I discovered you, it was actually through social media, and what I loved was your passion that really came through the videos of you practicing guitar. However, you doing so is more like you're actually performing, like you're on stage, which is something that I found super cool. Is that how you actually practice? That that is kind of funny. I mean, you know, when you sit down to practice, you know, it's, it's not like performing, of course, you know, you're trying to figure everything out as you go along. But when I am kind of playing a part or really trying to make sure it's right, um, I do kind of play it like how I would live. I mean, obviously, like when you're playing live, there's this whole other kind of energy and excitement that happens. You know, the adrenaline rush um, of playing live. But I always try and go for that whenever I play. Because, um, I mean, it's, it's that rush. I, I love it. And doing that kind of in videos as well, you kind of hope that translates. It's a different vibe for, for sure. Uh, But I hope at least a little bit of it kind of goes out there. I would say so for sure. Yeah, your particular style, I mean, what I've heard mostly, you know, ACDC, classic rock, this kind yeah. of stadium approach, yeah. it's that music, it feels like it was designed for the audience reaction. It was designed to get a rise out of people. Um, so it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Uh, it's not that it's not technically incredible, though, because right. the technical aspect is, you know, how do you, ju- like, that's something that always kind of broke my mind a little bit is how you're doing, you know, ACDC complicated licks while you're doing the angus young foot heel jump thing across the yeah, stage yeah. so yeah yeah i i that that clarifies a lot for for me have and read your book, which was something that really, uh, some parts of it, if I'm just you know, straight with you, really put me to tears with really how um, it just brought so much joy. And I just go, God, I'm reading this and I'm just so happy. Several quotes, if I may. Yeah. Um, you found music to be therapy, right? Yes. Music was your therapy. Yeah. What was it? What is it about music for you personally? Um, Why music? Let's see. I mean, well, when I first picked up the guitar towards the end of my freshman year of high school and pretty much 
all throughout high school, pretty much every summer, basically, I had a surgery. Like the first one was for like bone injury hearing aid. The other one was a big jaw reconstruction. And then I had a massive airway surgery in 2019. And music was, when in recovery, was always something I could kind of turn to to help me relax or boost my mood. And even like, you know, if I was stuck on the couch, like after a big surgery and just kind of had to relax, throwing on concert movies or, you know, watching some of my favorite players play or, you know, searching up clips on YouTube kept me inspired, motivated, uh, interested, I guess. Um, and then when I did finally, you know, start to feel well enough to kind of start playing again, um, it made me even more motivated and ready to kind of get back into it and start start learning some new stuff. So read too. This is, I think, one of my favorite parts in the book yeah. is, you know, the first time you heard Eruption mm-hmm. by Van Halen. Yeah. Frank and I, as guitar players, you know, yeah. we can certainly relate. I mean, anytime that I hear it again, I just, I really have to stop what I'm doing mm-hmm. and really just soak in what actually happens because it yeah. literally is an eruption, right? Yeah. And so it's just, it's something that just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Any musician listening to it's like, what just happened? Yes. You know, <laughs> is that kind of how? Yeah, the, the thing to me that, to me, looking back at it now, that I think is so kind of fascinating with my experience kind of in particular. I mean, obviously that guitar solo is legendary, you know, groundbreaking. Um, Overnight, you know, changed the game. Um, But to me, looking back at it and what happened, uh, what happened with with me was, um, you know, Eruption had already been out for years at that point. And at the time, I knew nothing about, you know, EDH and how groundbreaking his technique, you know, really was and what that meant to so many guitar players and, you know, the music world as a whole. Um, so kind of looking, and when I heard it for the first time uh, and how that kind of, you know, for someone that wasn't interested in music at the time, really, when I heard that and it kind of made me stop in my tracks and go, whoa, what is this? Uh, to me, it really kind of shows how, timeless that solo is and that you know however many years later from when it came out to that point it was still making you know people's jaws drop and make them stop in their tracks and go what is that um so that was always that like now being a musician looking back at that looking back at that it kind of blows my mind even more i'm like that's pretty cool and i think what's so powerful with that too is you know, we can actually remember the moment that we hear something. And honestly, it's just that that similar story happened with me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to pick up the guitar. Yeah. In my case, it was a Metallica song that mm-hmm. I had actually been listening, you know, for uh, many years. It just, mm-hmm. there was this one instance, I remember it vividly, where something just snapped. I go, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's cool. You know, just hearing the opening guitar riff to understand, man. And that's yeah. just kind of the start for me. Yep. And I just go, that's what I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. so, um, but I think that just lends to um, really how powerful music is. Yeah. And is yeah. that something that um, for you, it seems like, and you, it seems as though you want to um, create an impact like that for mm-hmm. other people too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know like what will happen with, you know, the songs that, you know, the band does and all that, but yeah, you definitely hope it's, it, 
it has and we'll strike a chord with someone uh pun intended um <laughs> you know and, and stick with them and hopefully you know give them good good memories and, and fun vibes <laughs> What I also noticed, too, is the way that you actually played is very similar to Eddie Van Halen. It's a non-traditional way to hold the pick, right? But you almost had to adjust to the instrument as well. It reminded me more of, like, Tony Iommi or Jimi Hendrix, where you had to, you know, you had to learn the instrument in your own way. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I remember um, it was my soft. Or, yeah, it was my sophomore year of high school when I really kind of found out about Black Sabbath and, and Tony Iommi. Um, you know, I, I was blown away by, you know, Paranoid and War Pigs and then, you know, Into the Void and the whole Masters of Reality album and, mm-hmm. and all of those songs. Um, and then I really kind of found out about Tony's story and, and all of that and what happened to him with his fingers. And I went, whoa, I'm like, you know, it, to me, kind of hearing his story of how he overcame his challenges uh, motivated me even further to kind of go, okay, you know, I've had my fair share of medical mountains to climb as well. And I'm like, if Tony, you know, had that accident with his fingers and could still, you know, do all the incredible riffs and solos and, and songs that he did, I'm like, there's, there's nothing that I can't do. So it was, it was really motivating. That's powerful. That also reminds me, this is going back more guitarist, generations yeah. but Django Reinhardt had a similar yeah. situation with the burn that was uh who motivated Tony right yeah that's right I mean I was just thinking about the fact that you've been playing for you said since freshman year and mm-hmm. in the last decade that, I don't think I've gotten any better stuff. at my instruments and you've picked up an instrument and now you're like you know world class and that just kind of blows me away the the speed at which the development yeah well it wasn't i mean i'm still figuring a ton of stuff out um yeah it was just kind of an obsession and didn't want to put it down and just kind of so i mean it's really just been an ongoing journey of figuring stuff out you know the, the more you do it yeah and and playing live i think definitely uh makes you improve quicker that's where all the practice and all of the, the writing, that, that's where it all goes down. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely just kind of been an ongoing journey of just hoping you're getting better at it. That's a good attitude. I love that. Yeah. But particularly in reading your book, you've already, you know, been on stage with some rock stars. Yeah. That, yeah. It's, so. been, it's been pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> What's that experience been like? Yeah. Um, I've gotten to perform with quite a few really cool people. I think the biggest one in the book was uh, Buck Cherry. We got a special guest tonight. He uh, overcame some uh, some challenges in his life. He's a uh, champion of the human spirit. Would you please welcome him to the Let's stage, go! Pete Dankelson. Give it up! Let's do this song, Hellbound. And that was a lot of fun. That was really cool. Um, they had a record coming out a couple years ago their record label had reached out and go hey you know we're, we're getting ready to release the next single from you know this upcoming record would you mind you know hearing it early and and performing it I'm like sure you know and actually ended up hearing the whole record and I'm like this is awesome and the, the record was fantastic it was one it was 
probably my favorite album that came out that year. It was really good. Um, and then, you know, the, the band got a kick out of it, which is really cool when, when I posted it online. And they, they invited me to come up and, and play with them when they were at uh, Summerfest in Milwaukee. Um, and so I, I played the, the track. Uh, it was the title track of the Hellbound record. Um, I ended up playing, playing that with them. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then actually a couple, I think, yeah, a couple months later in the spring, they came back around and I, I played it with them again. That was really cool. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a really cool experience. slightly bigger crowd than possibly yeah. you're used to yeah from. yeah that was a lot of fun yeah and I, I get such a big big rush out of playing with a in front of a big crowd too sure Pete's Diary, you know, we played some some small restaurants, and then you know you do play some like bigger shows as well, where it could be a couple hundred people, and it's it's fun to just kind of get the energy from. Okay, you know, here's what we can do here, and it's like okay, we have an audience, we can really kind of go all yeah. out and have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been really cool. Like we did a a St. Patrick's Day show uh, earlier, you know, in in March. And that was a blast. This 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 venue was completely packed. You know, it's St. Patrick's Day, so everyone's had you know yeah. a couple of beers, and, and uh, <laughs> they're all feeling pretty good. It, it was just you know what two hours or an hour and a half of just you know <laughs> absolute yeah. chaos. It was great. We had such a good time. <laughs> nice. I saw a cool video of you playing. Uh, it was actually you playing ACDC with uh, mm-hmm. Dirty Honey. That like yes, that, that was modern band. That was it was yeah, that's pretty cool. So about a year, yeah, about a year ago, I, I love Dirty Honey, and uh, they have a new record coming out in like two weeks. I'm super stoked about it. But I, I went to see them um, about a year ago, and managed to kind of wiggle my way front row and was you know enjoying the show. It was great. Um, and then a roadie comes up, or, you know, not uh, John Notto, the guitar player. He saw me from the eyes and, you know, pointed and, and waved and all that. And I'm like, oh, you know, cool. And, um, you know, I was enjoying the show. And um, uh, at one point, a, a roadie came up to me and handed me a piece of paper. I'm like, what's this? You know, and I'm like, oh, set list. Cool. And then I, and then I what it actually was, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know. Um, but then I saw it was a... Um, it said, uh, hey, Pete, do you know how to play Highway to Hell? And I'm like, oh. I'm like, well, you know, yes, I do. <laughs> You're only talking to, like, you know, the biggest ACDC fan on the planet, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm like, well, oh, I, I do fact. know. So, uh, you know, I give the thumbs up, and I'm like, is this? I'm like, uh, so sure enough, and it's on YouTube as well. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, uh, you know, Mark says, hey, you know, 
lately know this guy. He's been, you know, he's been to a lot of shows. He's a great guitar player. And, you know, I hop up on stage and it's like, well, here goes nothing, you know, no rehearsal, no, no time to really think or anything or prepare. Um, and it was just like, okay, here we go. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I think everybody got it. I think the audience got a big kick out of it. I think the band got a big, big kick out of it. And I, I had a blast. It was awesome. Completely unplanned, you know, unrehearsed, totally just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. And it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, it's something I'll, I'll never forget. It was great. It strikes me because that attitude of just saying yes and like jumping into it and not holding back or because I, I, I think that most of our reactions in those moments would be to say, you know, <laughs> let's pump the brakes. Hold on a second. Uh, I, you know, what key are we doing this in? Let's let's you know, I don't know if I'm really comfortable in this moment, but you're just kind of like, yeah, let's say yes. Do you feel like that that attitude um I guess you could just call it positivity or like go with itness. Um, does that reflect you in general or is that specific to your musical life? I don't know. It's definitely reflective of the music, the band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've, the band's definitely had some moments where it's like, we haven't played this song much and we, we really want to change up the set list. <laughs> it depends on, you know, how, what, what Mac wants to sing too. So yeah. Mac's like, Hey, you know how we uh, rehearsed? Like we're hoping to put Slither by a Velvet Revolver uh, in the set. Nice. Um, we've rehearsed it a few times too, and it's like it's in max range. And I'm a huge Slash fan, so we're like, uh, let's do it. So we played like this one, you know, smaller show, um, you know, smaller local show over the summer. And that's like, hey, you know, you know how we rehearsed Slither like once? Do you want to just do it for fun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Ryan's like I don't really know it and uh Max's like let's let's do it and um and I'm like well I know it I'm like uh, Ryan's like hey on let me see if I can pull up a chart or something I'm like no 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 Ryan let's let's just let's just jam it he's like I just don't do know it. it I'm like hey, just just watch me <laughs> and we had to, it ended up going good you know <laughs> it was fun you know it, it kind of had that um uh, the potential and I, it kind of did you know to fall off the rails and then get back on and keep going but people were clapping at the end so <laughs> it was That's fun. the best part of live music is then i love it i love the, the yeah. kind of danger that can go along with it too <laughs> it's fun it's a lot of fun i love that that's so great and you just seem so comfortable being on stage it's mm-hmm. um, is that something that you prefer over, you know, maybe studio recording or any other live presentations that you've done before? Um, well, for me, it's like with writing, you know, like the band is kind of in between writing a record right now. We were just in California last week um, and the basic tracking's done and I managed to put guitar in a couple songs and uh, Mac and I are going to head back out in like two weeks to, to finish up the record. Um, and, you know, with like jamming them and all that, it's definitely like the songs are written to be 
performed. You know, it's not just like studio magic. And it's the Angus and Malcolm thing. It's like you got guitar on the right side, guitar on the left side, and a solo up the middle. So it's not kind of like um, a lot of stuff uh, going on. It's definitely got a bit of a, you know, stripped down, down feel. Like when I come up with riffs and stuff and all of that, it's um, it's definitely kind of, okay, how are we going to do this live uh, kind of mentality? It's a good attitude. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so cool. Only for me personally, because I really only had a preference to record. Mm-hmm. That was actually something that I gravitated to. Yep. Live performance, I didn't feel at the time was for me, mm-hmm. probably because of how mm-hmm. nervous I was and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But you just have this comfort there. That's just, it seems like that's where you belong. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, is that something that you're finding yourself um, wanting to just do a lot more? Um, yeah, for me, it's definitely kind of all about the, the live performance. Um, just getting the reaction out of the crowd, too, and, and kind of just that just that excitement and energy that the crowd gives off. Uh, for me, that's that's the best. I, I love that kind of feeling. Um, and kind of, you know, and, and as a performer, you, you feed off of it and you, you try and push it right back to them. Um, so that's a lot of fun. How does that attitude that you're bringing to the stage when you have a guitar in your hand, how does that relate to the experience when you're just standing there with a microphone? Because mm-hmm. I know also that you do a lot of, uh, we can call it motivational speaking or, or mm-hmm. uh, speaking about uh, now the book tour, promoting that. But also uh, you've been speaking at hospitals and yep. uh, uh, other kind of medical side of things. Do you feel the same energy or is there the same uh, joy of being on stage and getting a reaction from a crowd? Yeah, I mean, I definitely when you go up to, you know, with a guitar in your hand for for like a show, it's definitely a different type of energy and a different type of crowd as well. (laughs) You know, it's a lot more um, wild and and kind of crazy. And I I was doing the, the, the public speaking before I picked up the guitar. So that definitely kind of helped translate from from that to uh, performing with the public speaking it is a bit of a different type of different type of thing and you know i do have a guitar with me pretty much all the time when i when i'm speaking so it's kind of like you know i'll pick up and play a little bit then go right back to to the uh, presenting i think one thing uh, from your motivational speaking and you performing Mm -hmm. i think at least in live performance you really are sharing yourself yeah maybe a a real authentic side of yourself um, that really can only be experienced or witnessed when you're actually there Mm -hmm. and so i Mm -hmm. think for for you it's i can imagine it's probably something a little similar i don't know with me it's just putting on a really energetic show and just kind of hoping that people are getting a feeling excited or getting a pretty strong vibe or yeah think especially with the type of music that you play yeah. it's really refreshing in a weird way mm-hmm. maybe that you're playing riffs like acdc had done you have a particular sound like led zeppelin mm-hmm. and you know kind of like the old classic rock guys that had a very specific and unique sound to a really a um, 
particular guitar era. Yeah. But for me, as a huge fan and admirer of that style and mm-hmm. um, the genre, it's just really refreshing that you know, there's still young folks out there to, you know, continue that uh, traditional way of playing and performing, you know, with the solos and things that are heavily blues based, you know, it's uh, really, really cool to just to see that. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, there's so many great, you know, new up and coming bands that are putting out some really great stuff. Like we talked about Dirty Honey, um, yeah. the, the few tunes that they put out from, from the, the upcoming record are awesome. I, I'm so excited to hear the whole thing and to see them live too. That'll be a lot of fun. But like, um, like you got bands like Tyler Bryan and the Shakedown, um, Jared James Nichols. He's a killer, killer guitar player. Speaking of Jared James Nichols, this is a recording I found of you playing a solo off of his new album. Uh, right before I found a recording of you playing with him live on stage. But yeah, there's there's a lot of really great bands out there um, that are putting out kind of that bluesier kind of rock and roll mm-hmm. kind of swagger. Um, and the songwriting's, you know, really good too. So it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun kind of discovering some of these up-and-coming bands and, and enjoying their stuff as well. It's been a lot of fun. When I first saw you, you you really did. I think I'm not the only one here to inspire people to pick their guitar back up. Cool. It, yeah, it is pretty cool. You just doing what you love doing and sharing it with the world is just amazing. And I love your book and the way that you kind of flip things as far as, okay, you can maybe dwell on something yeah. or you can kind of, you know, pull yourself through the bootstraps, however that phrase is. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if I may, um, you know, to quote, what's the title of your life story? Yeah. Do you choose to make the most of every day? And that to me, you know, ending with questions, I think is just a beautiful way to present something, but also to help people think about their own lives a little differently. Mm-hmm. The big thing with the book was, you know, okay, on social media, you see me playing guitar, jamming, all of this stuff. But there's also kind of a different side to the story. You know, there's this whole other, you know, side, you know, the medical stuff that a lot of people you know, just didn't know about. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, the book is kind of a way to show, hey, this is, you know, it definitely goes into the music and all that. And when I picked up the guitar, um, but, you know, the, the book really was to show, okay, um, there's also this side of the story and, and what happened here. Actually, it's kind of interesting because I had the surgery for the Baja uh, in 2016, kind of like a month, maybe two months after I picked up the guitar. In middle school, in elementary school, 
I, well, it's kind of a fight, really, <laughs> of wearing it, you know, on a headband. Because I'm like, yep. I didn't like how the headband looked. And, it, you know, I had to kind of keep, you know, if I wasn't wearing it, it would be in an eyeglass case that I had to carry around with all my books and yep. and all of that. So, kind of, so, yeah, I didn't really use it uh, a ton. Um, no judgment here, by the way. I know you're yeah, talking yeah. to audiologists, but, like, we, yeah. we've been there, too. We totally get that that's not... There's, there's zero judgment from us. But when I picked up the guitar, that was when I was kind of like, mm, you know, maybe I should try this again. It really kind of, you know, I was and being mature, you know, a lot more mature at that point helped me too. Well, I guess as mature as like a 15-year-old could be, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, I had, you know, I, I tried it again and really kind of gave it a shot. And I'm like, okay, I, 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 I do like this. This is really cool. Let's let's go ahead and do the attract system because um, you know with, with the posts uh, and stuff. I, I think that was uh, still an option too. But it was kind of like you know, and I have a lot of friends that have had you know this type of procedure as well, and it kind of sounded like with the post there could sometimes be like skin irritation and and, and kind of those issues of it. So it's like okay, let's let's go with the the attract. Well, that was a brand new option at that point then. Because that yeah, only I came out 2013, 2015-ish. So I think, yeah, I think you're, it was you're at the cutting edge. Yeah. Uh, so I had the surgery kind of at the start of the summer. Um, got, you know, activated in, in a, kind of a month later after everything was healed up. And, um, you know, it, it was perfect and I loved it. But really, the thing that I loved most about the Baja was uh, the, the, the Bluetooth feature. That's still one of my favorite things. You know, I'm, I'm listening to music all the time through it. And, you know, in class, I have, you know, some Zeppelin cranked up a little bit. To kind of... <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know. Not all the time, don't worry. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I did have, my, you know, I, I had my phone on, on full volume with it when I was going, you know, from class to class to, to hear the music and stuff. But on, on one particular day, I forgot to turn it down and disconnect. Whoops. Um, but so, you know, and I was being a good student, you know, I was working on, you know, whatever we were doing in, in English that day. And, um, and all of a sudden it, it's kind of a weird feeling, but you can, at least when, when it was kind of then, but sometimes I could feel like a drop in the, in the left side before, you know, the, the ringtone would kick in and my ringtone is, uh, is, and, and still is a uh, welcome to the jungle. Oh, okay. so. <laughs> so I'm working in class, and all of a sudden I feel this, you know, the, the left side just drops, and I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, Am I, is this a phone call, or did the battery just, you know, is it a bad battery? I'm like, that's weird. What's going on? And all of a sudden, you know, you hear that, -na -na -na, you know, you hear the welcome to the jungle, and then it's super loud, and it just rattles through my head, and, of course, everyone hears it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was so oh, worried you are going to say it was hot for teacher. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so glad yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, was it? But it was so funny because yeah, you know the, the the song starts playing and like what what is going on? And I pull out my phone and look, and of course it says like you know spam likely or you know uh, like that. And I'm like really? I'm like great. I'm like it's not even anything important. Oh my god, jeez. Okay, and of course you know it was welcome to the jungle, and everyone was looking over at me because yep. you know they know I'm a huge GNR fan. I'm like, uh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> That's so good for anybody who's not aware. So the Baja, the bone conduction hearing aid, it it 
plays the sounds through vibration through bones. So thus, if it's loud enough, it's kind of like having a small speaker in the room, yes. yeah. uh, especially if it's not a signal that's going on in the room. So unfortunately, some people will hear it nearby. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, that yeah. is classic. I found that's out you can take story. phone calls with it, you know, as well. That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. And I love that, that you were listening to Led Zeppelin during your English yeah. class. I mean, what better way to learn English than to listen to Led Zeppelin? <laughs> the English band? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the name. The stones and so there forth, you, you know. <laughs> Since we're on the Baja topic, if it's okay, I'd like to just read a quote from your book. Yeah. Choosing to wear the Baja means I value what is best for me more than what someone else might think. Deciding to have the surgery gave me another layer of confidence. That is what happens when you repeatedly make decisions that are in your own best interest. It fuels you uh, with the courage to do hard things. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course uh, it's true. I read it in a book. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I mean, for, for my life, at least it is true. Because, you know, it's kind of like... Once I finally realized, okay, the Baja, you know, is definitely something that's going to improve my life. And especially getting into music at that point and realizing that, hey, this is something that's going to stick, um, uh, made me value it and kind of realize how, how it, you know, even more important it would be, you know, the more I continued to play. Uh, so that was definitely something that was a conscious decision. Uh, and, you know, I've had so many surgeries, you know, up to that point as well. It was also the thought of, do I really want to go through another procedure? Yeah. You know, this would be like number 30 or, you know, whichever number it would be. Uh, so I'm like, do I really want to do this again? You know, when I don't really have to, you know, it was the first time in my life, um, you know, up, up to that point where I had the, the choice to do the surgery. It wasn't like, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you have to go get this done, you know, for, you know, such and such. Uh, it was the first time it was kind of an option to do it or not do it. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do it. So, yeah, that was that was kind of a big milestone. Like, like, obviously, the Baja, you know, was a milestone in, in, in and of itself. But me kind of choosing to to willingly go through with the procedure when I didn't have to was, was pretty big as well. And it also showed my parents that, oh, he really wants to, he really wants to get this done. <laughs> You're not the first person I've heard say that, Pete. I've had um, I had a number of patients in my past life who um, said the exact same thing, which was I've I've never had the choice put in front of me before if I wanted it done, and I'm just for the simple sake of having control, I'm going to say no to an elective surgery. Yep. That's a I. It, it's hard to put to put myself in your shoes as mm -hmm. the person, but seeing the other side of that, I, I wonder if there's anything that you would want to say 
obviously everybody's choice is their own. Obviously, yeah. as you know, as Juan and I, as providers, as audiologists, our goal is always to do what's best in the best interest for the patient and also what the patient wants, right? And yeah. I hate to like, I'm not speaking about you as a patient, but um, do you have anything that you would want to say like to anybody who's hesitant um, about either wearing it on a headband or, or seeking hearing help in general, um, or even about the surgery if, if you wanted to go there? Yeah, for, for me, um, kind of the thing that uh, my, my parents had always talked to me about was with the Baja, it's kind of like, you know, especially in my case as well, because I, I mean, I was just born with the one ear. So it's like I never kind of had the experience or, you know, uh, of, of having two ears or, you know, like mm-hmm. with some people as well, they'll have, you know, two hearing, you know, two, two ears um, and they're able to hear it at both sides and then maybe like one drops or something like that. So for me, you know, that was just my whole life, you know? So it was just like, okay, I have the one ear. That's just kind of how it's always been. Um, and, you know, with having to adjust to the Baja, you know, in middle school, it was kind of like this weird up and down of, okay, I'm used to this and, whoa, okay, I need to get used to this. And uh, that was kind of a roller coaster a little bit. But for me, it was kind of like when the music came about, it really kind of flipped that switch and made me go, okay, hey, you know, this is something that's really going to help me out and really going to make a big difference. Not just, in, you know, with music in general, but, you know, with with everything, you know, with life. Uh, it, it was, that was kind of the, the big aha moment. Uh, the Baja me. aha moment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Nice. And it didn't get you to play a bunch of aha, so that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was in the School of Rock program. Uh, for, for quite a while and um, there's this really cool program called All Stars that they do where you know there's this whole audition process and then you get to, to tour you know do like a week long tour and they kind of hit all these different locations with them and uh, one of the, the last stop was uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago and we, we played uh, on, my, on my, the, the kids stage there but um, at one of the booths they had a um, at this one particular location they were doing custom you know earplugs uh, you know, where they'll take the mold of the ear and all of that. And um, I, I, you know, it was like they do both. So they took a mold of my ear and I tried, I, I really tried. I'm like, Hey, you know, <laughs> you know, you do two, right. Can I just get two for this one? And they're like, mm, sorry. Like, yeah. Really hoping I could you. do like a two for a one. Like, come on. I'm like, you're doing two anyway. Right. Oh, well, <laughs> but um, it, I forget, I forget exactly um, the name of the company. Um, but they did a custom mold of my ear, um, and, um, you know, the earplug fit and it like, I forget exactly what it is. It doesn't like cut down the noise a ton, but it cuts down like the, the frequencies, you know, that can kind of cause damage. So like when I wear this earplug, it's still, you know, the sound is still, you know, it still sounds crisp and, and clear. Um, but it's not, um, 
you know, kind of like dampening everything. So it, I, re- I really like it. I, I use it for every show. Uh, yeah, it, it works great. And I had it out with me at Power Trip as well. I, I put nice. it in when, when, the, when the bands were playing, especially ACDC, because they have like 16 stack Marshall's, 100 watt Marshall stacks on each side. And I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, I was far back and the PA system was loud enough. And I just went, oh, man. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. That was probably through Music Hairs. That's my I, guess. I think so. I can't, yeah. I can't remember the, the name. Yeah. Yeah. Juan and I both work with, um, it's the Grammy Association, Music Hairs yeah. is. And, um, yeah. and so through the Recording Academy, they have a charity wing that, that we, uh, we see patients through. We used to do the clinics where mm-hmm. like an audiologist would come out to Lollapalooza or wherever else and, uh, and perform all the yeah. ear world impressions. But um, I'm so glad you got that, at least. <laughs> yeah, you, that was pretty cool. That's so awesome. Do you take off the Baja in those moments, or does the Baja help in, in those loud settings? Actually, I, I think the, the Baja gets a bit overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> it mm-hmm. it kind of starts to go a little crazy a bit. Like, I have, um, I use a, uh, it's 20, it's a, it's a, like, what I use uh, Amplize, it's a 20-watt Marshall uh, Plexi. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's, you know, yeah. So those amps are all volume. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no gain. So it's like, you know, to, to get it to break up, you have to turn up the volume. And I mean, it's 20 watts, but it is a loud 20 watts. That yeah. thing is no joke. Um, so like I, I, t- I take, you know, I use it in rehearsals all the time. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it, at rehearsals, earplugs are like, you know, a must. Because, yeah. uh, you know, you have... This this twenty watt plexi, this massive drum kit, and this really loud bass amp. You know, we we go all out in in the garage. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. But yeah, you know, you have the earplugs in and and, and jam out and all of that. Um, nice. Well, good yeah. for you for protecting your ears and for for. Oh yeah, well, that. it's like I got the one, so I need to be I need to be careful. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So then the, the Baja, when you're playing, it distorts a little bit. It kind of, it's a little, little gravelly. Bit. It's like in some cases, maybe for like the yeah. first, it depends on the venue and I think location and all that as well. Sure. Um, if it's like, if it starts to kind of uh, go a little crazy, I'll just kind of open up the battery compartment and just kind of leave it on. You know, sometimes it could just work and I'll leave it on for the whole set. It just kind of depends on <laughs> what, what it's feeling. <laughs> If it's a really crazy show, I'll just take it off and put it in my pocket. Nice. I've had a number of professional musicians with Bajas. Most of them had bilateral Bajas because of bilateral okay. hearing loss yeah. in both ears. Um, and it's such it's like such a mixed bag. Some people are like, mm-hmm. suddenly I can play shows again. And I had mm-hmm. uh, one lady, she was a singer and kind of like a... Uh, I guess psychedelic folky rock stuff. Yep. And she was like, the minute everybody starts singing harmonies, it just sounds just oh, really weird. Oh, and I just have to take yeah. it off because yeah. it just, you know, the interplay of the harmonies just distorts right. it. And right. so it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I can see that. I was always a little curious about if you had ever considered anything about making sure that your ears are protected, particularly since we love playing loud mm-hmm. guitars. And I was excited when I was reading your book and Al Di Miola. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
had reached out to you and I just go, oh, this is so exciting. A musician, you actually reached out, you know, musician to musician talking about your ears and the importance, right? But also making sure to protect it. Yeah, that was wild that he reached out. I was like, you know, Alfie Viola sent me a DM. I'm like, what? What is this? And um, like, sure enough, it was just, hey, you know, love, love your playing. I'm like, this is like a genius, you know, <laughs> you know, a genius of a guitar player. Totally different style too. It's just, you know, got it. You know what, <laughs> what he plays and what he does, and he's like, he was complimenting me on my playing. But yeah, he was very, it was very nice and very direct. He was like, "Hey, you know, please, you know, be careful what you're hearing." He's like, "I see your amp in the background." <laughs> but yeah, <and> actually, <laughs> um, but I, I have an attenuator uh, here at home, so you know, you see the plexi in, in the in the videos and stuff. It's it, it's not as loud as it might seem. The volume is brought down at, mm-hmm. at a reasonable uh, ish level. <laughs> But it's not nearly as loud as it would be if it was, you know, if it was kind of going. Um, but yeah, and actually he invited me out to uh, a show a couple of years ago um, at, at, at the Arcata uh, Theater. Uh, and that was really cool because I'd never seen like that that type of show before. It was just it was just him with, I think, two percussionists and just him with the class, you know, a, a nylon string classical guitar. And it was incredible. He was he was really really good. And I actually got to meet him after the show, and I just talked with him a little bit. It was it was really cool. He was super nice. He does play in one of the loudest jazz bands. I mean, as far as jazz goes, like Chick Corea, Return to Forever is like mm-hmm. some some pretty heavy plugged in stuff. He said, um, he's like, I really want to hear you do my tune, uh, Race with Devil on a uh, Spanish <laughs> Highway. I'm like, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like. Uh, <laughs> let me get back to you in like 10 years you, you were asking me earlier about where I see myself in 10 years I'm still going to be trying to figure out race with devil on Spanish highway I'll get back a, to you soon now I promise. you threw the gauntlet at your front step didn't you wow that's a big yeah, yeah a big I'm move. like oh my yeah. yeah challenge accepted <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> Now you guys are going to watch me get schooled. <laughs> With your own guitar. It's pretty cool. With my own guitar. All right, well, there's that. You guys ready? This has been a really insightful conversation, Peter. Um, a question that we always love asking, what is your favorite sound? Favorite sound? <laughs> um, my favorite sound is a, uh, <laughs> it's probably a Marshall Plexi on 10. <laughs> yeah, some type of cranked Marshall, you know, or cranked amp, yeah. <laughs> Definitely seeing ACDC, you know, the other week. Uh, that's definitely kind of a reinforced. <laughs> that's definitely my favorite sound. Um. <laughs> I love it. That's nice. awesome. You're yeah. not the first person uh, on this show to say that exact answer. <laughs> awesome. 
One thing that really stuck out to me with mm-hmm. your book was um, meeting Coach Mike yep. Babcock of the Detroit yeah. Red Wings. And he had told you something that I think resonated with mm-hmm. you, but also me learning about that and it coming from you, um, being growing up and being a difference yeah. maker. That is something that is such a highlight of the book. And I know I've you know uh, gone back to mm-hmm. that a few times, but that is something that I think is so special and what's so needed. And with it coming from you and you're just embracing that, um, I just really, really love that. Um, is there anything uh, that you want to say specifically about that? Or do you have any message of intent that you'd like to uh, present to the world? Yeah, for me... Um Kind of the big thing uh, with with meeting uh, uh, Coach Babcock was um, just kind of the timing of that too. Uh, I think I was eight years old, and um, basically, you know, through the hospital, uh, through through a children's hospital in Michigan, uh, where I was at, you know, at the time, um, I can't remember exactly how it was. I was obviously you know really young, but I think the, the hospital would give give tickets to the game, or like the players or the coach would would invite patients from the hospital. Um, I think that's how it went, but I, I can't quite remember. I could be wrong. But um, we got tickets to the game, and we got to go back and, um, uh, you know, kind of meet, meet the coach But before they, they went and played. And um, I remember it was around, you know, Christmas time. And I do remember kind of talking to him, you know, oh, hey, I got my mom, you know, uh, like a Red Wings. I don't know what it was, but it was something kind of, you know, Red Wings related. And, uh, you know, I, at the time, too, I didn't really speak much, but mom would kind of bring me along to, um, to the hospital where she would, where she would speak to, I think like new residents or faculty or can't remember exactly what it was, but you know, she'd kind of talk to, to members of the hospital. Sometimes I'd tag along and maybe, you know, kind of give the patient perspective for, for better or worse from an eight year old. (laughs) But, um, uh, but, uh, that, that day before we left and went to watch the game, uh, Coach Babcock, you know, said, hey, you know, Peter, you know, you, you can be a difference maker. And it's just so wild because, I mean, you know, nobody could have possibly known at the time all the stuff that would come, you know, after with, you know, speaking at schools and the guitar and the social media and all of this stuff. And it's just kind of like, wow, you know, I guess I really have taken that to heart. So it is, it's just so wild looking back at, at, at that moment and just kind of seeing where, where all it's led to. Um, and I did have the chance to go and see him. Uh, we went up to Toronto uh, a couple of years ago because he, he heard about, you know, all the stuff I was doing and that I, that he said that to me years ago and, you know, that I kind of taken that to heart. So it was, it was awesome to get to see him a couple of years ago uh, in Toronto and kind of talk with him about, you know, all the stuff that I've been doing. And it was, it was really cool. It was great to see him again. Yeah. That's such a powerful phrase. You can be a difference maker. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard you mention that in an interview that I was watching um, in prep for this. And it, it, um, it struck me because that's the kind of thing that um, it's really motivating, but it's also t- kind of terrifying to hear somebody oh, yeah. say that. Because yeah. like, do you feel any – now looking back, you said you're 23? Mm-hmm. L- looking back – 15 years ago being told that do you feel like that has put a burden or do you feel like that's opened up 
opportunities and kind of in your own mind? No, I don't, I don't think it was ever a, a burden, but it was just kind of like, I mean, like I said, nobody could have possibly known all the stuff that was coming, you know, that, that would be coming up later on in life. Um, I mean, I think, it's, you know, at the time, it was just kind of a really cool and, and meaningful and, and true phrase that, you know, you, you can be a difference maker. You know, you have the power to, you know, to help impact people's lives and, and you know, make a difference, um, whatever that might be. And, um, you know, it's just kind of wild that that phrase kind of just followed me around all the way, you know, to now and, you know, beyond. The band's almost done recording this full-length album, so I mean that that'll be out in who knows when. Right now, we're just trying to finish the thing, but hopefully by summer, um, it will be by summer. <laughs> At least I, I hope. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see what the timeline of that's going to be. Uh, but that you know, this record we're doing is almost done, um, and then. Yeah, shows, um, Pete'sDiary.com for all the upcoming shows. Um, there's a few more left this year. Listeners can go find your book. Um, yeah, it's on, uh, yeah, like yep. Pete'sDiary.com. Your perspective on this and us coming to hearing healthcare from the angle that we come at it, um, do you have anything that you would want to say to audiologists, especially audiologists working with musicians, or if you wanted to go the angle of working with microtia and atresia, um, is there anything that you would want to kind of, to say either to your past audiologists or anybody, um, who might be listening, who might want to better serve uh, a guitar player who rocks on stage, a person mm -hmm. who uses a Baja while playing music, whatever you want to, uh, to relate with that. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, to, to all the, you know, audiologists that I see, you know, thank you for, you know, uh, all that you do. Um, it's definitely helped me out a lot, you know, more than just music wise, you know, with, with the Baja and, you know, with, with my crochet and kind of managing that road, but also, you know, to musicians and stuff, definitely, uh, wear earplugs, um, you know, have the amp cranked, but, you know, you know, you, you only have two or, you know, maybe one ear. <laughs> so, you know, um, you don't, you don't know what you have until it's gone. Um, and definitely in my case, I didn't know what I was missing until I had it. So, you know, it kind of goes, goes both ways a little bit. Definitely, you know, have fun with the crank dance and everything, but definitely uh, keep, keep it safe. Thank you so much for making the time. This was such a pleasure for both of us to hear you, your story, your 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 music. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 
Thank you so much, Peter. Talking Ears is a production of Earmark Hearing Conservation. The theme music is by Scott Hallam. You can find more of his music at audiodowsing.com. The show is produced and edited by Juan Vazquez, Scott Hallam, Mary Kim, and myself. Thanks for listening. Thank you.